0: In recent years, high-rise apartments have been a contentious issue, with some going up in flames, others having issues with cracking, some having concerns with the locals with overdevelopment, and then there is the issue with upsetting local businesses during construction. But the reality is, our city is growing in numbers, our suburbs are slowly spreading out, and our lifestyles want to be low-maintenance. Today, we talk about the quirks and complications in buying a high-rise apartment. Welcome to Real Estate Right, where we talk to top experts on how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your hosts are Grant Kennedy and Sue Langaner. If you love this podcast, we would love it if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify or Podbean and tell your friends, family and work colleagues, especially those who are looking to be a bit more savvy in their real estate transactions. Tell them that they too can get the know-how before they go through the real estate process from Real Estate Right. A respected leader in the strata management industry, Kate Eward is the Managing Director of Strata Equity Management. Kate has worked in all facets of real estate as well as a law clerk and credit manager. She holds a degree in political science, which she puts to good use in her business and is a regular guest here on Real Estate Right. Welcome, Kate. Yay! How are you? Yeah, really well, thanks. Great to see you. Great to be here again. Yeah, thanks for coming. Um, now, this is a bit of a passion for you, this topic, isn't it? The high-rise apartment building. So as you've seen a lot of behind-the-scenes issues that have happened with both new and old apartment blocks, as well as the rise of creating lifestyle developments, which are more likely like hotels and residential homes, you know, what's been your passion behind it all?
1: Well, first of all, they're a beautiful place for people to live. Um, And it's a fantastic lifestyle opportunity when you're downsizing or when you're getting onto the property ladder. But what's really frustrating about it is as wonderful and as beautiful as it is, um, there can be real problems if you don't have an owner's corporation structure set up correctly, one, and two, that old chestnut of building defects. And so making sure that that the building is is done to a quality standard, that's one of the, the key issues as well.
0: Yeah. Definitely, yes. Um, I think I might have told you last time, I can't remember, about the, ha- uh, the apartment block I saw in South Yarra, which the, um, the owners' corp were charging everyone $100,000 for this financial year to yeah, upgrade to the To remove outside. the cladding.
1: Yeah, to remove but the no, cladding.
0: No, this wasn't removing the cladding. This was actually a solid brick 60s building. Oh, okay. And they wanted to render it and make it prettier.
1: So, and were the owners in agreement with that?
0: Well, uh, people were selling because they couldn't afford the hundred grand <gasps> yeah.
1: what a terrible shame, because something like that should have been governed by a special resolution, which mm. um, means that seventy five percent of all lots needed to agree. yeah, so yeah, it's a real shame that people have to lose their home um, mm. because they're out of step with um other lot owners it's, it's yeah. that's a great shame, so. -hmm.
0: Anyway, that's what it is. Okay, so now you can you can obviously buy an inner city apartment in Melbourne for as low as about three hundred fifty thousand dollars, which is awesome for first home buyers and investors. However, when buying a high rise apartment, what other things we should be considering before we make that purchase? Because you know, three hundred fifty thousand ish to you know five hundred thousand that's that's pretty cheap buying for living right in the heart of the city isn't
1: it absolutely it is and you know so as i said it's a fantastic you know um entry-level um opportunity to get into a building but you've got all sorts of things that you need to think about you need to consider your oc fees and you need to look Mm. carefully into um how much they are and what they're being spent on because if you don't look at what they're being spent on there may be hidden expenses down the track Mm. for instance Not every building has to have a long-term maintenance plan, which means um, if they don't have one and and a maintenance fund to support it, you could be all of a sudden up for massive expenses like this building you were telling me about, where in order to upgrade the facade, they've got levies of $100,000, which is unaffordable for people yes. so mm-hmm. you need to look at you know is there not just an administration fund maintaining the day-to-day thing is there a long-term fund to look after upgrade of the lifts or upgrade of the facade or if it's got a pool that pool is going to need to be redone every 10 to 15 years
0: so yeah. all sorts of costs like that you need to dig right into the detail. Yeah, so some of those fees could be things like, as you said, on-site recreational f- facilities like pools and tennis courts and and gymnasiums.
1: Absolutely. So you've got all those sorts of facilities that um, can be yeah. on site. We can have simple barbecues as well. You've got your car park area. Um, yeah. How is that being maintained? So there's a lot of different factors to um, to an OC management.
0: Yeah. So like all the little extras like. Recreation facilities, on-site caretakers, gardening lifts, um, all of them contribute to the cost of your OC running. And obviously the higher the fees, the more of those sort of things you expect to have. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I always get um I always remind people if they're looking at um purchasing in a building, oh the, the OC fees are very low, they're good. Yeah. I actually look at that and think, no, that's not good. Low yeah. OC fees means poor maintenance, mm. So you know, and you don't want a building to be poorly maintained. You need to make sure that everyone contributes every day of ownership yeah. to the long-term um, maintenance of that site.
0: Yeah. So say, for instance, we pick up, you know, to have this generic $350,000 one-bedroom apartment in the city, what would you, you say it's on the seventh floor? So what would you expect to have? In that apartment building, most likely an on site caretaker, a lift? Well, you'd definitely stuff. be having a lift. You'd definitely yeah. have car parking, so
1: you'd have to have control yes. of the car park. Um, yeah. You'd have to have security within the yeah. building. You'd be looking at um, daily cleaning and caretaking. If yes, you've got seven floors plus, you'd be looking at daily cleaning and caretaking. You yeah. might have a gym facility. You might have less likely to have a pool, or tennis court. Yeah. But depending on the age of the building yeah. um, and depending on the, the quality of the building, yes, you could have those. Yeah. Um, you could reasonably, if it's a new building, you could reasonably expect concierge and yeah. you could expect a mail room somewhere that um, passers think, yeah. can be delivered to this is something Mm -hmm. that um new developments actually we're we're just looking at a development today where it was like fantastic finally a developer's put in a really good um, concierge room with a a refrigerated room for food deliveries um yeah and then a a regular parcel room because even people are even getting wine delivered now and if you've got a building that hasn't got adequate facilities where do these things go
0: yeah so, assuming you have all of that, what sort of annual fees would you be looking at for OCs? What should be reasonable without, um, you know, what would be too low? And what would be too high?
1: Okay, if you had um, an apartment with all of those facilities, if mm-hmm. you had OC fees of four and a half thousand dollars a year, I'd be I'd be concerned it's too low. Okay really probably to have all of those facilities um, you'd be looking at probably five to five and a half thousand for a two-bedroom apartment. Yeah okay. But when you think about it it includes you know all of your insurance and all of those facilities and long-term maintenance I think it's a fair and reasonable.
0: It's fair to say you'd be looking at about one percent of what you've purchased your apartment for.
1: I'd be Mm -hmm. saying, suggesting between 1% to 2%. Yeah, that
0: you
1: should be allowing for. Absolutely, annually.
0: It's a big chunk.
1: That's why the price of purchase is so much lower than, you know, comparable with a unit or a house. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the land size. That's right, because you're contributing Mm -hmm. on an ongoing sense
0: yeah so other things you should make consider before making a purchase is maybe the sound between the apartments and the common areas like some of the newer buildings are they or they have a certain amount of sound proofing the older ones seem to be better from my understanding
1: yeah look certainly you've got certain advantages with older apartments they've often got a larger footprint of for each apartment Mm -hmm. um they've they've often got better soundproofing and potentially higher ceiling heights but, yeah. you know, the great benefit of brand-new apartments is that the facilities are all new, very much state-of-the-art. So your intercom mm-hmm. systems, new, your lifts are new, they've got new technology. Mm-hmm. So as long as, you know, you'd be speaking to the developer at the, or your agent at the time of purchase and making sure that adequate soundproofing insulation is put in, these things could all be managed and dealt with and, you know, still a brand new apartment is a fantastic, um,
0: fantastic home, fantastic first home yeah, particularly. Definitely, yeah. They're great to invest with too as well because you can get a lot of people who are working from, you know, interstate who need to have that fly and fly out kind of place to stay in rather than a hotel or, in, or students coming from overseas. Absolutely, your
1: and you're often, you know, the the return, the rental return on that
0: investment is obviously, you know, quite attractive. So yeah. So with all that in consideration, what would we, what would be the most apartments you've ever seen in a high rise development? Like number of apartments? Like- oh look, look, you can have
1: multiple hundreds. So the biggest complex that I've yeah. personally managed was 808 apartments. Wow, so, that's insane. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of management that has to go that's into mini, that. That's a mini
0: suburb. It is. Isn't it? it is very much. Yeah. But,
1: you know, having said that, you know, they're fantastic communities. If you can get the right vibe happening um, and that comes from a good, strong manager, you've got to encourage people to be respectful um, So you've got to have Mm -hmm. the right rules, you've got to have the right structure in place and then you've got to have the right management where you're um, responsive and supportive and assisting.
0: These are fabulous
1: communities to live in. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah,
0: they're not Melrose Place communities. It's a bit more friendly already
1: yes (laughs) you can get lots of groups you know that you can get book clubs you can get movie clubs you can get men's clubs they they, you know they and women's clubs can all form in these um properties so it can actually be a really strong sense of community but at the same time once you close your front door um you're not having to deal day to day with anyone you don't want to. There's also a lot of respect that comes into these communities. Like you don't go to someone else's floor and knock on their front door. Yeah. You go down to the foyer and you use the intercom. Yeah. And you contact them and say, can I come up? And that sort of etiquette, if
0: you can establish that from the beginning, oh, makes all the difference. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So could you expect that if you divide the owner's corporation fees by the number of apartments that that's what you should be paying or do big apartments pay more
1: definitely bigger part bigger apartments pay more Mm -hmm. um there's no set law about how to divide contributions um when you're creating the plan of subdivision once it's created though the owner's corporation is stuck with dividing the costs by what's written there so there's two trains of thought as to how to divide the costs Mm -hmm. when you're writing up a plan of subdivision one is on the basis of area, a bigger area pays more, and the other one's on the basis of value, mm. which a bigger area will have a bigger value, but that value is going to be affected by what level you are yeah. in the building. So you know if you just have a look at your plan of subdivision and, and work out is it based on purely on value or purely on area, but there will always be a difference. Older buildings didn't have, go into that level of detail and you can have some older buildings where everyone pays the same yeah. regardless if it's a two-bedroom or a three-bedroom or what level of the mm-hmm. um, building it is. That's a little frustrating for people. Um, but look, it is you, just a matter of making sure what you're buying. Yeah, fair enough.
0: Yeah, so getting onto the touchy subject of the flammable cladding, that's got got some major publicity a few years ago. How do we... Uh, know if the building we have bought into or currently own has been built without flammable cladding.
1: Okay, well the government's really um, stepped up to the mark on this Mm. one. A few years ago the EPA was going around and assessing buildings um, and that was following the first fire in Melbourne, the La Crosse fire. Um, And then when we had the second fire in Melbourne on Spencer Street, the NEO Mm. building fire, um, the government stepped it up again and has started a new um entity called cladding safety victoria yeah. and they are reassessing all of those buildings so any building in melbourne that could potentially have cladding is being inspected yeah. and it's being ascertained what sort of cladding and how dangerous it is and and they're looking also at the fire safety measures mm-hmm. um, so some buildings will have to remove their cladding and cladding safety victoria is assisting yeah. with that um, and some buildings may be able to keep that cladding and just have extra fire safety measures so it's up to the vba and cladding safety manager as to what has to happen to each building. Yeah. but how do you know that your building um, has cladding well you need to ask um the oc manager mm-hmm. is there any cladding and they should be able to answer that
0: for yeah. you yeah
1: especially as insurers are asking the question, at every insurance Mm. renewal now, you're having to go through significant questionnaires about what's the building made Mm. of. Um, So I've got one building, for instance, that 30 years ago was converted from an office to residential. And at that time, they put a little bit of flammable cladding up on the upper stories Mm. of the building. So otherwise, it was a beautiful concrete building. And lovely and safe, but anyway, so we have to deal with that, and it is what it is. And it should also, if you're looking
0: to buy into a building, it should be listed on the owner's corporation certificate, and would, which is also in your uh, Section 32. Section 32, yeah. absolutely, because it is it is scary. Because like, it wasn't just in Melbourne; it was all over the world, wasn't it? That these—that's
1: right. The Grenfell fire in London, where people, a lot of people, lost their lives. But we need to mi- bear in mind that in Australia that scenario would not have happened because England's requirement for fire safety equipment is very different to Australia's. If that building had been revamped in Australia as it was in England and had the cladding put on, there would have been a requirement to sprinkler throughout the building um, in Australia. So people in Australia need to be a little bit more rest assured that our fire safety measures are far more, stringent in Australia um, and as was evidence in the La Crosse fire and the Neo fire everything jumped into play there was no um, fatalities yes. and it was all managed much better
0: yes thank. You. yes we can rest assured it's all good um so <laughs> That's what right. are the best materials we should be looking at if we are buying a high-rise apartment do they actually mention on the section 32 what the what the building material is made of Um, Look, that's probably something a little
1: bit out of my ambit, um, you know, but definitely that's a question I'd be asking um, the real estate Mm -hmm. agent when you're looking to buy to find out. Certainly, as I said, you know, existing buildings, um, insurers are making OC managers delve into that detail now. Um, You'll find that new buildings now won't have that flammable cladding. Mm -hmm. There's just... They just, it's just not being used now. If I was looking to buy a building, I would be looking for a, a pure concrete and steel structure. Yeah. That's what I would be looking mm. for. Um, and you need to ask the questions. Of the agent. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I think, you know, going back to basics, the old concrete and steel and even the solid brick ones are probably the better versions of, of <laughs> high-rise apartments, but they don't do, well, they don't do high-rise yeah. and solid brick, do they? I'm not. No, no, you probably
1: only go maximum, I think, three to four storeys. in. Yeah yeah
0: so. yeah, yeah. so if we wanted to remove the combustible cladding, how can we go about it? Like, will the insurance, building insurance cover the removal and replacement of the cladding? No, it won't because your
1: building insurance is all about um, incidents that happen to the building. Okay. Um, so the cladding would um, have to be, the cost would have to be borne by the owners mm. but as i mentioned earlier cladding safety victoria is assisting owners um, where they've generated they've denoted buildings that are either high or extreme risk buildings mm. um, cladding safety victoria is undertaken to assist those buildings remove the cladding mm. and replace it with an appropriate material they're offering funding to assist them with that um, and then They'll assist them with recovering from the builders. But it's, it's all very, um, it's an unknown quantity at this stage because there was successful action against um, various parties for the lacrosse fires. Mm. But that's now about to be appealed. Mm. So we don't know what the landscape is. Um, at this stage, all we know is those buildings that have been noted as extreme or high risk. Mm. Um, Cladding Safety Victoria are actively pursuing. That cladding, yeah. and there is an offer of assistance from the government. But the buildings that I'm managing, I actually haven't seen the money flow in yet from cladding safety yeah. Victoria. So it's a watch this space. It's all yeah. new for all yeah. of us. It's
0: hard, isn't it? It's being on that you know limbo, in that limbo state. So how can your owners corporation manager help you with the process of removing the cladding?
1: Okay. Well, the first thing you need to get um, a, a surveyor to come and assess the cladding and how it's best to be removed and then you need to get a scope of works drawn up Mm -hmm. and a project manager to manage all of that Mm -hmm. Um, your oc manager will help with all the administration tasks that but at the end of the day if you've got cladding on a building it needs specialist um skills like a project manager and a surveyor and then you can go out to the market and get pricing for removal and replacement of the cladding. I've got one thirty-four story building at the moment yeah. that I'm working with mm-hmm. um, to have to remove the cladding off their facade. And, yes, it's going to be a lengthy yes. and um, Expensive. very detailed process. <laughs> yes. So, so unfortunately. Are
0: we allowed to divulge how much money we're talking about for the 34-storey building or is that just... Haven't even got
1: prices oh, okay. yet. So yeah, we're still at the stage of um of you know, and they're also getting legal advice as to what um redress that they can have with the builder or yeah. the surveyor or the the, you know the various parties mm-hmm. that are involved with creating this building. Yeah. So it's at this stage, it's a really um, complex and lengthy process, and yeah. they've just
0: they've just gone down that first step. So those building developers and surveyors who approved the building in the first place they could possibly claim the cost on their insurance on their professional insurance. indemnity insurance yeah. possibly possibly <laughs> possibly
1: it's like i, I it's yeah, I can't be giving legal advice. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, you know, that's where you need to engage a lawyer. Each committee would need to sit down and, and engage a lawyer to help them. And as I said, to help them with the legal side and then the physical side, you need a building surveyor yeah. and a project
0: manager. Yes, it's it's a, you know, it's it almost makes you not want to go by one of those buildings, you know, in those buildings because you know that there's that involvement, you know, ahead of, Oh, look, absolutely.
1: But can I just say that there are still transactions occurring in those buildings. People are still selling and people are still buying. Yeah. Um, and so there are real bargains yeah, to, be, to, be to be picked up right yeah. now, you, you know, because if you're prepared to, to work through the complex process and be on board during that time, right. you can pick up a real bargain.
0: Okay. So, yeah. so there's pros and cons. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So is this why it's important to join the Owners Cor- Corporation Committee so that we can have our say into what gets done, especially when there's a lot of owners involved?
1: Absolutely. It's um, it's a really important thing to be involved in the committee. If this is an important asset in your life. It's going to be worth, you know, several hundred thousand dollars. You want to know that the committee are taking every step that they they need to and that they can and that they're spending your money wisely yeah. so it's you know it is, doesn't take a lot to join the committee yeah. the, most committees only meet four times a year but it helps to have people actively involved mm-hmm. particularly if you live in the building yeah um to be eyes and ears um on the ground
0: and also to help the manager in ensuring that everything that should be done gets done yeah. so what can we get out of being in the committee besides just being the eyes and ears for you. Obviously you make some great friendships, you can, you know, band you know, (laughs) band together. (laughs) What could
1: Absolutely. There's, you know, um, yeah, you do make a lot of good friendships. You do also make sure that your asset is being maintained appropriately. So you're protecting your financial investment in the building and you're protecting your, you know, if you live in the building, you're protecting the the Mm -hmm. values of the community. Um, You're making sure that everything happens as it should happen and you do actually gain the respect Mm -hmm. of the other members, generally speaking. They they really Mm -hmm. appreciate what you've done. And what you do for them, so you know there's a lot to be gained from that.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about um, an episode of Friends where Ross joined a um, moved into a new building, and they were going around collecting for the maintenance man who was resigning, and they wanted to retire. Re, yeah, and um, they were getting a present and getting him a gift, and and he's like, "Well, I've only been here for two days. Why would I give him a gift?" And then. He all of a sudden got offside with all the other residences residents because uh, he didn't give to the gift and 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 he, there was a party for the retired uh, maintenance man and saying what are you doing here you don't you know you don't belong here get out and they called him three B get get out of here three B. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, look, I have to say, I would probably take Ross's position. I'd be going, but I wouldn't have gone to the party.
0: I would have been, I would have been. <laughs> and then he decided to have his own party oh, and then, okay. and no one turned up to it. And it was, it was a, a mission, like it's always a comedy of errors, those sort of things. But yeah, it was pretty funny. They want to, they want
1: to highlight the, the
0: difficulties. Yeah, the difficulties yeah, of, of the the community of a, of a building, especially when there's a present involved. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah that's cool so yeah you'll have to see it you'll have to try and hunt down that episode if you haven't seen it
1: yeah (laughs) true Ross's new
0: apartment okay well thanks so much Kate for another informative episode on understanding the processes when it comes to owners corporations and buying a high-rise apartment there is definitely lots to consider and I think our listeners will be asking their real estate agents a few more questions when they find that perfect apartment Thanks again. Thanks for
1: having me, Sue.
0: (laughs) Real Estate Right is a real copyright production hosted by Sue Langada. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Premium Beat for our theme music, and Zoom for our video link. If you would like to know more about Strata Equity Management, please contact Kate Ewart at Strata Equity Management on double eight three eight one two four two, or go to their website strataequitymanagement.com.au. If you love this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us on your favourite podcast service. Or if you would like to ask one of our experts a question on the podcast, Email your questions to sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.